Oh my goodness. This beat is so hard. Will he survive? Never decease? I don't think I'm ever going to rest in peace. I'm going to kill the game. Leave it rest in peace, says. Now everybody wants my recipe. Tell a jealous chicken. I don't know what beef is. I'm just making money for my grandkids' niece is. I'm going to work hard. That's my thesis. This beat is the shit. Feces. Lucky strike. Feces. Oh my goodness. This beat is so hard. You can get that. Or you can get this. You can call it a demon. I'm gonna call it Jesus. You can get a curse. You can get a cross. You can go to work. Or you can be the boss. I'm gonna be the owner. Be a thought donor. I'm gonna go hard. Like a motherfucking motor. I'm gonna make a beat and put the people in a coma. You could be a geek or be a rolling stoner. I woke up in the morning, hard like morning wood in the morning. Woke up thinking about microphoning. I get stacks of cash. You get cashews. I go hard. Statues. Now let me take this time to say, I don't want to lead you on. You can go hard. Or you can go home. I know it's a lot to take. I don't want to lead you on. You can go hard. Or you can go home. Why would you not go hard? If you're not going to go hard, you can go home. Time bombs are ticking. Explode. Baby, this is dynamo. Hard, like geometry, trigonometry. This is crazy. Psychology. Get it, baby. I'm about to win. Watch out now. I'm going in. Lucky strike. It's feces. <laughs> oh my goodness. This beat is so hard. Oh my goodness. This beat is so hard. <laughs> uh, I'm Barack Obama. And this beat is very hard. <laughs> I'm going to be the owner. Be a thought donor. Uh, I'm going to go hard uh, like a motherfucking boner. (laughs) 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 (sighs) I woke up in the morning hard like morning wood in the morning. 
woke up thinking about microphoning. <laughs> I get stuck of tech. <laughs> you get tech use. I go hard. Stuck. Okay. Uh, <laughs> pause. <laughs> Stop. <sighs> find a friend uh when your tree is breaking uh just met eat eat your piece rip off the band-aid courtney love and marilyn manson they're all fakes <laughs> run to your mansions come around here your american people will kick your ass in I'll walk bar. <laughs> <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, to honor the Spaghetti for Brains podcast return to normalcy, <laughs> reuniting for the first time since the 90s, Savage Garden! Oh, God. Jesus, God. <laughs> 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 With Barack Obama! Uh, I knew I loved you uh, before I met you. <laughs> I uh, think I dreamed you here one night. That's what I told Michelle. That first night in the Windy City. <laughs> I put on a little Savage Garden. Rolled up some of the tightest chum from the chum gang. I said, baby, uh, truly, madly, deeply, trying to represent all up in that. <laughs> I was a little more freewheeling and bold back then. Blasted six. She didn't like that. Not one bit. But uh, I got rid of that habit, alhamdulillah, through the strength of Allah. <laughs> Through uh, the good grace of the Hadith, <laughs> I was able to defeat the white man's tobacco. <laughs> it's feces. <laughs> That's the ad. 
Lucky strike. Feces. <laughs> Lucky strike. It's feces. This, this beat is the shit. Feces. Lucky strikes. They're feces. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spaghetti for Brains podcast. The... We've entered the normalcy zone here at the podcast. Thank God. Thank yes. God everything is normal again. Um, I, Indubitably. Four years ago today, we all donned the hat of the pussy. <laughs> the chapuse. <laughs> and we took to the streets to protest a president who had come into office and signed a executive order banning people he referred to as convenience store owners from uh, travel. Uh, and so the women took to the streets to protest him and this measure. And ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Mission accomplished. <laughs> new president. New presidential signing <laughs> decrees. Yes, that's right. Welcome back, normalcy. Welcome back, Paris Climate Accords. Oh, uh, thanks. Thanks, Keystone Pipeline. Bye, Keystone Pipeline, Felicia. <laughs> after you've built it for years and it had a spill in the very land that they were trying to protect. No, but uh, yeah, we, we secured all sorts of victories that we had already managed to secure 10 years ago uh, and undid a bunch of things that Trump did. You know, it's nice to uh, have some of those things back. It's very important, you know. Most important is, uh, I feel, the halting the... Uh, exploration in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge and, of course, extending the eviction moratorium, uh, delaying this impending crisis for a little bit longer in the hopes that we could put people in a little bit of a better situation. That, in my opinion, is the best thing that he did uh, in those decrees because, you know, even the Paris Climate Accords, like... Uh, Thankfully, a lot of the world uh, was abiding by that anyway, but not our industries. <laughs> but they'll they'll uh, at least be forced to do that as well again now, which is great. Yeah, and uh, I think the the thing that gave me a tiny bit of joy was just that the executive orders, the flurry of executive orders, undoing the absolute worst of it, so that we were back to a base flurry. level terribleness. Oh. A wintry mix of executive orders. An ice cream drink. Yes. Of a McFlurry of executive orders. Is that something, uh, that's not a term you guys use, I assume. Uh, and I don't know if we were even using it back in the day when you were here, but like wintry mix. That's like a very no. New England thing. Wintry mix. Yeah, when it's, yeah, yeah. When they're like, oh, uh, you know, it's going to snow. It's going to be some of that wet rain snow. It's going to rain. There might be a little ice. Wintery mix. 
that's like that's what it's been like here for like two or three weeks actually in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys should give it a name. Winter mix. I'm into it. Wintery porridge. Ice porridge. <laughs> Rain whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Tonight coming over Glasgow, there's a heavy movement of ice porridge. <laughs> Get your willies and your rain slickers, boy. (laughs) I'm Sherman Shamrock. The stereotypical Scottish weatherman. (laughs) And now here's Dale Johnson with a shanty. (laughs) <laughs> a shanty. Yeah, yeah. He's with a shanty. <laughs> with a shanty. Yeah. Well, a shanty. Tell us about your new album. It's uh, we hear it's all shanties by a shanty. See a shanty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, well, yeah. Uh, people have been wondering where I've been the last several years. Uh, I was actually traveling with some fishermen off uh, off the coast, off the north coast. We've been uh, spearfishing narwhals, <laughs> and it's really just been inspiring me. Uh, I brought producers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis along, and uh, we've just been writing sea shanties with the boys. Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now to Ben with politics. <laughs> oh. Oh man! So the, the the two things that I wanted to talk about were, were today was one I wanted to talk about Trump's farewell address, and to a lesser extent his little speech that he gave before he concluded by putting on YMCA and mincing his way to the helicopter. <laughs> and, yeah, there was maybe, really good stuff in that one too. Really good, really good. And then I guess to a lesser extent Biden's inaugural speech. Uh, because I guess there's uh, simultaneously a lot you could say about it, and also not much you could say about it, because it's pretty much as you'd expect. Let's yeah. start. Let's start with the inaugural speech, because I wanted to just. Um, it was a strange sensation watching it. I think um, for everybody, I know it was for me. I felt very. Uh, it felt very surreal. I guess everybody. <laughs> that's not really an interesting way to describe it. Because I'm sure that everybody felt that way, you know. The, just watching the the mall and the steps of the Capitol building, having so few people at this inauguration, and the fact they kept zooming out, and all you could see was the mechanics of the spectacle of like the the the, the televisual event. It was so prominent because there were so few people there, and that's all you could see. And I I kept wondering when people were singing. I know that Garth Brooks didn't lip sync but i think the other ones like when j-lo sang this land is your land which really i think that i might have developed a stomach ulcer when that was happening you mean you mean the this land is your land uh america the beautiful let's get loud mashup yes did you notice that she threw in a let's get loud in there (laughs) (laughs) or the land of the Get loud. No, no, but that's that other America song, isn't it? That was Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the home of 
I prefer. And the home of the da 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 Yeah, anyway. We're on the right track, baby. It's the home of the brave. Yeah, it really, uh, compared to to Trump's inaugural event, it really didn't stack up at all. I mean, the, there were just so many moments uh, with Trump. Remember, there was like the bald security guy behind him looking absolutely miserable. And Donald Trump was like uh, lip syncing along to the, the song where it was like, God bless the USA with his little puckered, <laughs> puckered asshole mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's been the, the case with a lot of the spectacles. Like, we haven't had many, but like just the conventions, the conventions have been that, you know, they've been this like disastrous spectacle from the Republicans uh, with like all these like reality stars and weird, weird people and scary people and yeah. right wing ideology. And then the Democrats have had that whole like, you know, just overwhelming force of like, People you know and sensible talking heads and, like, hitting all the right points and whatnot, but, like, very little entertainment value to it. (laughs) Uh, It's more like just uh, people were, I mean, yesterday, it's like, they didn't need anything. Like, just the spectacle of it alone is enough for people to feel the emotion of it being, you know, the end of the Trump era. Um that's where all the emphasis is now. It's not on, you know, it's not on, uh, it's not on like the things we could potentially do moving forward. It's on this relief at the end of the Trump era. Yeah. And this, this was like that, but there was this added layer of because of COVID, because of not only everything is kind of somber that we're in this situation and we don't ignore it. Unlike the Republicans do, or they don't ignore it. Unlike the Republicans do. Um, like, but also with the social distancing and the pre-recorded or recorded at a distance bits, it was all very kind of quiet. It was all very quiet. Yeah, and there were like huge pauses in between. Like someone yeah. would do something and then there'd be like 15 or 20 seconds of just yeah. nothing and everybody looking around like... Mm. And it's very surprising because they should have like the Hollywood people, like they should have more savvy production and stuff. They should have like had someone who's seen like any sporting event and realized that like they immediately realize you have to pump in fake audience noise because like we can't have silence where we traditionally hear, uh, you know, like a murmuring audience. Instead, we had Tom Hanks talking about like this bright future but like it seemed like a memorial but maybe it was a memorial i'm not sure that's kind of the sentiment i have yeah from a lot yeah of that's also the buzz that i got you know what else was funny for me uh i i just thought some of the things that joe biden said were were i mean a lot of it was just exactly what you expected you know he just got out there and started talking about unity and i think that even people who don't really believe it were really comforted by hearing it because that's what you want from Joe Biden. I mean, that's what Joe Biden represents is the return to normality and a return to the kind of uh, standard issue uh, American public life that we were enjoying under the previous presidents yeah. of the United <laughs> but States. But we weren't we weren't enjoying it, though. That's no, the of thing. course. I mean, and that's... I don't mean that it's like uh, the radical people weren't enjoying it. No, no like, one was. The very people who are clamoring for it now 
are forgetting that, like, no, 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 actually, this very normalcy that you're clamoring for is exactly what brought us the problems well, this is that it. brought us Trump and brought us the anger of, like, all those people that marched on D.C. Like, they're not angry simply because Trump told them to be angry. They're also angry because of the awful situation that they're in because of the state of our country right, right, that existed exactly. before Trump. And and so, one of the things that yeah. I think speaks to that 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 kind of weird tension between uh, reality and perception is this line that Biden said in one of his speech in uh, the towards the end of his speech he said, uh, "America, we have never ever 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 failed." Getting back together. <laughs> We have never, what did he ever, say? ever, ever failed. We have, ne- <laughs> we have never, ever, ever failed. We have. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing that made me feel really uh, unsettled by the whole thing, by the placidity of the whole thing, and by the even I could feel in myself like a tiny desire to want to drink the Kool-Aid, you know, to like want to take some sort of solace in it. Then when he said that, it just, it smashed it. It blew it out of the water for me because it's like, you just said that America has never, ever, ever, ever failed. And I mean, the very fact that a doddering brain dead man is standing there (laughs) slurring through a speech, accepting the office of the president after we had another senile man who's literally just taken a shit all over every single tradition of American public life, after another man lied to the entire country about hope and change, after another man brought us into a war that's left like like a million people dead, and maybe even did nine eleven, <laughs> parody parody. <laughs> um, I I honestly like I don't know how you could say that America has never failed or why you would want to and it made me think like why does he want us to think that America has never failed and and the context of it was saying like you know if we put our heads together if we work together and put our energy towards a common goal then we can't fail and that that's kind of you know pretty standard stuff they say that all the time and Hollywood movies, it's like the message of a lot of movies, it's the message of a lot of politics, is that yeah. we can do anything we want if we work together, which is not untrue. But I mean, the idea that America has never failed, I mean, America is, by a lot of people's estimation, just one large failure. I mean, it was this attempt to have, I, I mean, from the Enlightenment, the 18th century on, you had this idea of democracy. Well, I suppose in some ways, the people who founded the country... We- the founding fathers, it's pretty much a success by their metric, isn't it? You know, it's like a... Well, it's a concept you might not be familiar with called failing up. <laughs> America has been failing up. Oh, no, I just We've failed never, it up. <laughs> there was... A, he, the, he didn't read the whole line because he had a little... A moment. Uh, it was actually America has never, ever, ever, ever failed down. <laughs> We've always up failed. Sorry, up-failed. I got that wrong. Yeah, well, I really got. Yeah, eat but crew he was now. like, democracy is fragile, but democracy has prevailed. Right. 
But that that flash. also, and then this concept of the Man. truth he keeps talking about, where he he even quoted um, Saint Augustine, and he said uh, the truth yeah. uh, as the common object. Uh, he said, what defines a nation? And St. Augustine says that, uh, it's a people who, um, whose common object, the, you know, what they all share a common object. And he said, he made some sort of roundabout point about the truth being the common object of love or love being the common object of the truth and talking about how important the truth was and how love was. It's the- like, the truth is like a two way deal, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? It's like a two-way deal. It's a common love object. <laughs> yeah, and I thought that was interesting because what, um, what when he started going in on the uh, St. Augustine thing, it made me think, like, actually, I can think of a very, very salient Bible passage right now that really, really speaks to what you're saying, and that is Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, in which Matthew writes, um, by the by the fruits shall ye know them. Do men get figs from thistles? You know what I mean? It's like, it's basically saying like, you can talk all you want. You can say all of these words, but at the end of the day, everybody knows, well, not everybody knows, but certainly a lot of people know in America what the real state of affairs and state of play is. And they're not going to be fooled by all of this talk, this highfalutin talk about love, truth, heritage, inheritance, and all of this and stuff. like this is not a very cynical thing to say literally like the last time you were in office talking hope and change people got disillusioned by your failure to live up to it so that's like the thing i'm basing all this on it's also basing it on slightly valuing <laughs> joe biden uh, below barack obama but i mean i know that a lot of the things they're do- they're going to do are just you know, it's not really up to the the person. It's like the the the, the tides of uh, of history, really. Uh, like they came into office, Barack Obama got elected, saying uh, that he believed uh, homosexuals, uh, the LGBT community. Back then, we didn't have the plus. Uh, I believe in civil unions. I believe that gay people should have uh, the same rights uh, in a civil union. But I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Uh, And then over the course of that presidency, that view, quote unquote, evolved as the like it kind of became clear that they that they were going to make some sort of move on this. That society was deciding this for them. And now at the inauguration, you know, some of those people that were there, like, maybe I was seeing it wrong, but I could swear there was a trans flag, like one of those, like, sets of flags yeah. on the National Mall. Yeah. There was a trans flag. Um, well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's um, it, the, the, whole, the whole history of the United States is uh, littered with, like, genocide and the, the, the murder in cold blood of people who were trying to assert some sort of power and in so doing remove a little bit of power from the ruling class in the United States. And the reward for it was getting, you know, clubbed or killed, you know, shot or sometimes, uh, I mean, it's, it's worth remembering that the very foundation of the United States was a genocide committed against the indigenous people. (laughs) I mean, it's like, and no, no one, the thing for me that 
I've been thinking about this, right? I wanted to kind of save this for the end, but I might as well just say it now, right? I mean, because I have a slightly... I, okay, let me let me roll back for just a second here. So what does it mean to be an American? That seems to be a question that's going around, right? With uh, Donald Trump has an answer in the uh, farewell address he gave and in the speech he gave before he got on the helicopter. And Joe Biden has an answer that he gave at the on the steps of the Capitol. And the, both of them are effectively answering this question that no one has asked because they need to posit the question to make everybody feel like they're part of this thing. And I think it's interesting that he framed it like that and bringing up the whole St. Augustine thing. What is a nation? What defines it? And it's about their common object and all that, right? I mean, what that really does is gloss over a really, really big question that you can't answer with just some sort of like, you know, pithy quote from St. Augustine. It's a much, much bigger question. And it's a question that most people who are American and live in America and don't leave America don't really have to think about because it's impossible to know what defines you as a person from a country if you haven't actually spent significant amounts of time outside of that country and seen what other people are like, in what ways they're similar and in what ways they're different. And that is, I don't have very many credentials at all to be speaking about any of this, except for the fact that I happen to be an American who's lived outside of America and had experience firsthand with what it's like to be an American outside of America and seen what other people consider are uniquely American qualities, right? And uniquely American characteristics. And it's funny because it's not always the things that you would think were, uh, you know, the qualities that you would attribute to yourself or the things that just Fold, go under the radar. Folding pizza. Folding pizza. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's a New York thing. a very thing, American. It's a New York thing. Are you kidding me? You go outside of New York and Connecticut. No one folds their pizza, you know? That's because you can't fold the pizza because they, they don't know how to make a thing. Because <laughs> it's made with fucking Ritz crackers or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Disgusting. Or it's like made on a, you know, a, a one inch, one inch thick piece of bread. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I don't want to go on too long. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take yeah, up too much no, time. Sorry. But the thing that I find that I find uh, th- that I found about myself as an American over here was the things that people picked up on and thought were funny. I mean, for example, one funny thing was that uh, my partner was watching that show, uh, the Fran Lebowitz thing that Martin Scorsese and Fran Lebowitz made. Have you heard of this show? Right. So they just like interview Fran Lebowitz and talk. She just talks about whatever life in New York and stuff and what it used to be like in the 60s and all that shit. There's some cool bits as well where she talks about Charles Mingus that were really great. I really like that. But one of the things that Fran Lebowitz does and that all New Yorkers do, and I never really thought about it until I was watching it at the age of 41 on television in Scotland, was uh, she'll punctuate sentences or points, especially things that she thinks are stupid or, uh, you know, objectionable. She'll laugh at the end of the sentence. She'll say, for example, like, you know, you're going to you know, tell me that's taxi driver, uh, you know, they're going to have the knowledge. <laughs> and they'll like laugh at the end of the sentence as a way of imbuing that sentence with absolute scorn, you know, just like you're, you're shitting on this thing by laughing this mirthless laugh at the end of the sentence and amy was like that's so funny because that's what you do and i was like what what's what i do (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i was like what's what i do she's like she's laughing at the end of the sentence in order to it's it's like this really like intimidating way when you do it to people when you're talking to people it's quite intimidating and i thought oh i never even never even thought about that it's not something i ever like considered that i do you know sorry i'm just hilarious you know (laughs) And, and scornful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but then another thing, another thing that, uh, 
one of the first things that I realized when I was like 18 or 19 and I, I moved out of uh, my family home and moved to London and I shared uh, like a tiny little flat with these people and they thought it was really strange that I would get up if we were watching TV together or something and go make myself a cup of tea and then just sit down and have a cup of tea. They'd look at me like, what the fuck, man? You didn't ask me if I wanted one. And I was just like, if you want one, why don't you go make one? You know? <laughs> sort of like, and I noticed too, like what now I'm used to that. So when I go to the States, when people just like do stuff, I'm like, Oh wow. Like they didn't, no one like consulted like, Oh, do we all want to do this or whatever? It's just a thing you don't think about. And that is, that to me is, I mean, it's called are, freedom, Ben. It's yeah. called freedom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. It is actually in a way it's, it's individualism for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and that's you what, over in, uh, over in jolly old Scotland, uh, you call it la liberté. <laughs> that is indeed what we call it here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, and when you, but when you actually get deep, these are just like surface things, superficial things that are kind of funny that you realize. And, you know, um, one of the things that people really do notice about Americans, especially in cities over here where there are a lot of American tourists, is their utter lack of knowledge of what the rest of the world is like. And their utter lack of knowledge of what their own country looks like to the rest of the world. That's the thing that's... That's really uh, that you have to contend with whether you want to or not when you live in these places. You don't have to contend with them as a tourist. No one cares. I mean, people will be polite and not talk to you about it. And if you seem like the kind of person who doesn't want to talk about it, they'd be happy not to talk about it. But eventually you do have to contend with it. And I remember when I lived in Dublin and it was the like, you know, the Bush years or whatever, and you, you'd meet Americans and they would immediately confide in you as though you were buddies and on the same team because you're both from America. I mean, this could be a person from like fucking Kansas talking to me. You know what I mean? They're they're more foreign to me than these people from Dublin are. You know what I mean? Because they're from fucking I've never been to Wichita. I don't I don't know anything about you, you know, and they would say things to me like I've been telling people that I'm Canadian because I don't I don't want them to know that I'm American in case they, you know whatever, like get the wrong idea, you know, they're going to, I don't want them to say something mean to me or whatever. And it was like, why, why would you do that? Who cares? Like, first of all, no one is going to do that. And if they did just tell them to go fuck themselves. You know what I mean? It's like, you're not, you're not in the Bush administration. You know what I mean? Like you're not, it's not your fault. Also, like, what do you think is going to happen if someone says boo to you? You're going to fucking fall down and crumble in, in the puddle of tears, you know? But I can kind of sympathize with that because when I would take cabs in Boston, I would always put on an accent, be like, uh, Coolidge Garda, please. <laughs> I'm a local, though. Don't uh, take me on any, uh, any of your gypsy trails. <laughs> don't take Just me through no, Brookline. <laughs> yeah, don't take me to Brookline. I know you don't need to go to down, down, down near Beacon to get to Coolidge Corner from here. <laughs> Let's go through Austin. Oh God, yeah. But that, th- another so thing you, uh, that another thing that's startling when you're over when you're living outside of the states, like I said, is is they people here understand that Americans don't even really know their own history, and that is a difficult thing to deal with. And you know what? Once you become acclimatized to living here and you meet Americans. Uh, abroad, it can be really disconcerting to meet Americans over here because you don't know what kind of American you're getting. 
You know what I mean? That's the thing is like, it's a, it's a kind of roulette where you don't know. You might meet someone who's very funny and very sweet and just normal. And you might just have a good time. You might end up going to the pub with them and just like drinking and talking about the States and whatever. Or you might meet an American who seems really normal and seems really funny and seems really nice. And then they believe in QAnon or something or not even something that extreme. When Americans come to Scotland, they're not sending their best. <laughs> they're sending bad hombres. They're sending anti-vaxxers. QAnon. Also, they're sending crypto-fascist grifters. <laughs> yeah, it's true, though. It's true. Sometimes you get people who are really nice and... The strangest thing about the conversation that you end up in is that they don't even know. They they say things and we're like that demonstrate that they don't know that like we live in like a fucking white ethno state. You know, they don't realize that like that it's like a racist country. They think that like everyone there is like them. And it's I just challenge you a little bit though, yeah. Ben. Uh I obviously agree with you a lot and I understand that like uh you know, just fundamentally, it's going to be a lot different because there's just so much, there's just so much distance between Kansas and anywhere that's not America. You know, like, uh, there's a lot yeah. of distance when you're in the middle of Kansas from anywhere that's not Kansas. Like, Kansas is... 10 times bigger than Connecticut, probably more than that, you know? Some of these states are huge. <laughs> like, Canada is closer to me than one side of Kansas is from the other side of Kansas. Uh, so that, like, has a big influence in it. You can cross Kansas and, and, and have crossed, like, three European countries. Um, but uh, the thing I would actually want to challenge, though, is do other people really know their history? Like, I understand, I fully agree with you that Americans don't know our history, but, like, do British people really know British history I'm about not, the, I am not, okay, the yeah, I miss, things that the British Empire has done and whatnot? Okay, you know, so like, just to be clear, I'm not saying, first of all, like, not, I'm not even, I'm not talking about, like, all Americans, I didn't mean to generalize, yeah? Like, cause no, I no, know, of course. Because uh, I know that, like, just a lot of, a lot of Americans The bad hombres, uh, the bad yeah, hombres. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, a, but a lot of people are nice as well, you know? They're not yeah, as yeah, bad, yeah. they're just, like, ignorant about their history and about the, uh, the rest of the world, right? And yeah. I, I'm not saying that other countries aren't like that, because, I mean, I've met, I had friends in, uh, in Dublin who were like Chinese and didn't know shit about the rest of the world. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, 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 yeah. And that's not like, I'm not like dissing Chinese people for like not knowing about like Europe or whatever. Cause like, I don't know very much about China. There's a lot of stuff I don't know about. I'm not blaming people for their ignorance. And 100% this country is by far like one of the worst for exactly this thing I'm talking about. I'm not saying that it's not true of people here as well, uh -huh. but yeah, it's yeah. I, I, absolutely not. That is not what I'm trying to say. So like you're right <laughs> to challenge me on that because like the number of people here who think that the British empire was a good thing. It's, it's unreal when you meet people who think because they don't know what it is. I mean, that's really the fact of it. It's not like they've, they've analyzed the history, looked and seen what uh, Britain did and what it didn't do and what, uh, uh, how other countries turned out. It's not like they have all these facts to hand and have made an informed decision about British Empire and said, no, actually, I think yeah. in some it was a good thing. You know, it was a gross, <laughs> a net good. No, they're, they're, they're ignorant and they have no idea what they're talking about in much the same way that a lot of people everywhere do. <laughs> This has been my TED Talk. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. but I think that the thing that's, um, the thing that's different is, uh, it's not that different actually from Britain because Britain needs to do this too. You're absolutely right. But Britain isn't the, the, the global superpower at the moment the United States is. And so obviously it's in everyone's sights in a way that Britain isn't. So that's, that's the issue is that there's a certain degree of ignorance that it, that everyone might have, but it seems more objectionable and more offensive. And it stands out more when the person who is ignorant is literally the person with their boot on your neck, economically yeah. speaking, globally, when they represent the country that's got its boot on everyone else's neck. And that's, that, that's what I mean is that I'm not saying, yeah, yeah. and I, what I'm trying to say as well is that people assume this about a lot of Americans, you know, and in some cases, rightly so, in many cases, completely wrong. I, and I've, I've had fights with people, you know, I actually, one time I got into an argument with a guy in Dublin, right? Cause he was like, you know, Americans are so fucking ignorant. It was like 2005 or something, 2006. So it was the height of the Iraq war. It was like, things were going really bad. It was might've, might've been like around the time of the surge. Right. And it mm-hmm. was, it was very, very bad. Bush was making, you know, his, his like, famous kind of cock-ups every time he spoke and yeah he's got a point we were wrong (laughs) and there were videos going around online of uh you know british journalists interviewing americans at these like uh rallies that bush was doing or giving speeches or something and asking them can you point to iraq on a map do you know where iran is can you show me on a map where is north korea how many people live there? What what continent is it on? And people couldn't answer these questions because they were like fucking proto chuds or whatever, right? But then he mm-hmm. was saying this and saying like he was saying very much like Americans are idiots. Look at these fucking morons. And I said I challenged him and I made the whole room extremely awkward. I was like because there was a map of the world on the on the wall, and I said to him uh, like point to Poland, you know, like well you know you, you it's like po- oh Poland's an easy one. I would have gone with like Slovenia or yeah, Yugoslav no, no. Well, Poland, Republic. <laughs> but this is the point: is Poland is an easy one. I mean, yeah, yeah, everywhere yeah. you go in Dublin, even in two thousand five, two thousand six, there's Polish people everywhere. All of the supermarkets, all of the corner stores, they all sell Polish stuff because there's so many Polish people there. It's probably Ireland's second language. There's probably more people speaking Polish than Irish in Ireland. It was it's, it was famously invaded by Germany, so it's probably close to that. Yeah. And so I said to him and he was like, oh, man, I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to start off. I was like, no, it's cool. Just show me. I was like, point point from where you are. I was like, don't get too close. So you can actually see the names on the map. Show me where Poland is. And he couldn't do uh-huh. it. Obviously, he couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of people can't. It's a normal like, thing. I'll show you. I'll show you where Poland is. It's <laughs> up your arms. It's right up your arms with your lucky charms. Spaghetti for Brains, the podcast where you can stereotypically lampoon people as long as they're European. <laughs> oh, God. Nope. Nobody's safe as long as they're white Europeans. Yeah. Uh, and also, too, I yeah. just, my, my ultimate point, my final point here, and I'm sorry to go on so long, was just that, like, because this country was founded on genocide... I mean, it was it was founded on genocide, and that is like a huge thing. And the fact that it's not talked about, it's not admitted, it isn't imbued in the conversation, and that is like a huge sticking point. I think for a lot of people when they meet Americans, it's like you don't know. Am I talking to someone who's like literally doesn't believe that their country was uh, founded on genocide, even though it was, or you know? And that that weird like well, disconnect. most people most people are not going to just be fine with it and openly fine with it and stuff like that, and just. Uh... Uh, acknowledge it and own it. So from the very beginning, we've had to uh, 
kind of ha- have this uh, dense sort of mindset where we don't really think about it and, and kind of act like it never happened. I call it our manifest dens- density. Uh, That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, it's our original. Yeah, yeah, no, manifest density. Go with that one. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, maybe we should hop to Trump's speech a little bit. Uh, because it's hilarious because he loves you. This is his new thing, which I think is awesome. Uh, the latest pickup artist video Trump watched. He heard that uh, <laughs> that people, he, 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 he's typically a negger. He likes to neg people and put them down so they come groveling to him like Ted Cruz. That's like his optimal scenario in life is to interact with someone like a Ted Cruz. Uh, <laughs> but now he's moved on to the, uh, the love phase. Uh, and so now, of course, he famously told love those protesters... Me. Yeah, yeah. Cause you're deplorable. Uh, dootin' dootin' doo doo. Uh. Yeah. So uh, this is this is a speech, but it's all sandwiched with love. So it starts right out. Thank you very much, and we love you. And I can tell you that from the bottom of my heart. Literally how he starts to speak. <laughs> and then he goes on to what I said would be the heart of the speech, uh, which is just talking about how great he is and how great the his administration was and how they broke the record for everything, you know, which, of course, he talked about. Uh, and it's hilarious. So, yeah, he's done a great job, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he, you know, he created a Space Force that in itself would be a major achievement for a regular administration. And we were not a regular administration. What does he mean by that? Like, they never took a he's shit. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were constipated the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We took care of the vets. 91% approval rating. <laughs> they never had that before. The vets have given us the VA. I love how he's like, the vets have given us the VA. Like, what does that statement even remotely mean? The vets have given us an approval rating like never before. We took care of our vets, our beautiful vets. They were very badly treated before we came along. And as you know, we gave them great service. And we pick up the bill and they can just go see a doctor. If they had to wait a long period of time. We got it so we could sadly get rid of people that don't treat our vets properly. We had what is that? <laughs> I know it's is so he talking? It's so awful. But then he's like, yeah, "We got a huge tax cut. I hope they don't raise your taxes. But if they do, I told you so." <laughs> got it. It's like laying got the groundwork. <laughs> just saying, owned ponage. Gonna score that one now. Check the scoreboard later. Uh, but the way he ends it is just so hilarious. Uh, after this goes on and on and on. And then it's a bunch of more I love yous. This is just goodbye. We love you. We will be back in some form. <laughs> 
Oh my god. And then he goes on to the very end. He says, So, have a good life. We'll, we'll see you soon. <laughs> have a good life, guys. <sighs> have a good life. We will be back in some form. Have a good life. You know what it sounds like? Ah! It sounds like uh, it sounds like a guy who's about to get like he knows he's gonna his wife is gonna leave him, but he insists yeah. he gets drunk and insists on giving a speech at his wife's sister's wedding or something. You know what I mean? And he's like just gets up and he's just like Yeah, yeah. I just want to say like, I want to officially say yeah, yeah. you cannot fire me because I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh yeah, I love in the in the address that he gave the really like polished one where he keeps talking about he keeps like insinuating that uh, America's like inheritance and its heritage that he's been like he makes himself sound like a fucking weird like uh, lawyer who's dealing with someone's will. He's like executing the will <laughs> of the United States or something. And it's like the United <laughs> States has died, and I have decided. To split it up, to give it to my favorite siblings, and I, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like he's saying that kind of thing, and he's always talking. The whole it's it's actually unbearable. I don't know if anybody here has listened to it, but fucking twenty minutes long of him just like listing their achievements, and there must be like two things in it that aren't lies. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing is just like, but the thing is like saying that Trump is a liar is so fucking like basic. Cause it's like, uh, no shit, Sherlock. Like fucking, you know what I mean? You just spent the last four years going like, this guy might not be telling the truth. You know, like, it's just the only time he didn't lie is when he said, uh, when he said, uh, like, uh, when he said he was the only true outsider that ever held the White House, I mean that's that's true. Like it's that's that's one of the times that he didn't lie. He said like four hundred things and three hundred ninety eight of them were lies. One of them that wasn't was I was the he only. He still outsider. hired a whole bunch of insiders. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he yeah. Was, uh, well, I'm, in that sense, an outsider. I mean, don't get me and wrong. And everyone saw it. You know. Yeah. Everyone could see that, but don't worry, the insiders are back. Inside the Beltway, baby. Status quo never went wrong. I really loved it as well when he said, the world respects us again. Please don't lose that respect. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. My uh, therapist uh, was saying something about projecting. (laughs) And so... uh, I didn't really hear it, but I looked it up and I decided I'm going to start doing that now. I'm going to start projecting more. So, uh, yeah, we are now respected internationally. Please don't fuck that up for me. (laughs) And now I'm going to go and kill my father and fuck my mother. (laughs) I'm really sorry to the uh, Spaghetti for Brains listenership. Uh, The no kids. No kids. I don't, I don't know uh, that uh, that I keep kind of my Trump voice always goes into the Alec Baldwin impression. I'm sorry about that. I know I have a problem, and I'm trying to I'm trying to fix it. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, there there's someone who has turned on Trump, and it's interesting. I don't know if you saw it, but in the New York Times, the paper of record, all the news that's fit to print. Mm-hmm. Headline, a quote, a total failure. The Proud Boys now mock Trump. 
Members of the far-right group who are among Trump's staunchest fans are calling him, quote, weak, as more of them were charged than arrested for storming the Capitol. Uh, so this is an article in the New York Times where they go on to write about the conversations that are happening on, on like, fringe forums and, and whatnot, which, just to think... 20 years ago, when we were putting in keyword New York Times into AOL with our 10-hour free disks that we were logging on with. <laughs> that, like, well, no, that's a bad time to think of it because we didn't even really have these sorts of forums yet. But, like, just going on to some random forum in the early 2000s, thinking that the New York Times would write some sort of, like, rather, like, serious article about some rather important, scary things, and it's all based off of conversations that happened on a message board. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's and it's all these people who are disappointed now in their glorious leader, Trump, yeah. for four, failing them. A 14-year-old girl in them. Illinois wrote on a message board that she was very disappointed with the Motley Crue concert she saw back in 1987. And, you know... <laughs> 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 Someone on the Proud Boys Telegram group wrote uh, welcoming President Biden to office. At least the incoming administration is honest about their intentions. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, before we go, I just I have to talk about. So I'm a huge fan of YouTube grifters. Uh, I, know I think you are. they're yeah. so hilarious. You know, we've celebrated my favorite one, Darman. Um, privately, one day we will do a deep dive into my my leader, Darman, and how he helps me to manifest my destiny. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there's a gentleman who. So, so many of these people that have been getting arrested, and particularly the ones who somehow made it into the Capitol, so I don't know if this is a, like, a good representation of how many of them there were in general in the crowd, or if they were kind of like a vanguard of these crazy people, which it seemed like, because a lot of them were literally streaming and whatnot, like Baked Alaska and whatnot, they're streaming, so they want to be in the front lines and stuff, but so many of these people, uh... Buffalo horn mask guy, you know, uh, the, and, and, and one that I'm going to talk about, but a couple others, they're grifters. They all have some sort of YouTube community where they're selling anything from like supplements to, uh, you know, crypto thingy. Yeah, there's the like, guy who sold the kangaroos with the Trump hair who was there as well. Did you see that? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. Like some kind of grift, but not even necessarily Trump related, but somehow trying to monetize the clicks that they're getting because they're doing this political content, whether they're doing it with purely malicious economic intentions or not or i think most of them are just getting more shine <laughs> for these clicks than for anything else they've done so they're taking advantage of, of it by trying to monetize it and like uh doing it in the ways that they do so like a lot of these people have ended up being straight up youtube grifters and it's a little bit hilarious <laughs> and so 
my favorite one that has come to light is a guy who you should really uh, play the insert at least like a couple seconds of the clip here, but you've probably seen him. He's like the whole time he's in the Senate chamber at one point, but also when he's outside of it, he's just like almost in tears. He's in tears at like the moment. And like, we did it. We took the Capitol. We did it. And like, then at one point he's in the hallway and he's like, oh my God, we did it. He's like, what a we made history, guys. People are smoking weed in here. Can I, please, may I please hit that and take, or take history with you? I smoke a weed. Thank you, Patriot. We made history. This is our house. This is our house. And uh, he's just having himself a moment. And from looking it up, I don't believe that he was arrested. <laughs> However, I found out that he's a grifter. <laughs> His name is Ronnie Sandlin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ronnie. And he has some sort of, so a lot of them, what they have is it's ostensibly meant to be like, this is what Darn Man started out as too. It's just like business advice, like, like, uh, being a business advisor. Like, so like my 12 step program, my millionaire mindset thing, like the, in general, I, I like to categorize these people as mindset people. They're selling they're, they want you, they're trying to sell you their mindset, you know, uh, their philosophy. Uh, it's this guru stuff, you know, but trying to package it as some sort of intelligent yeah. business move. Yeah, they're basically like right wing, uh, uh, like Gwyneth Paltrow's without the uh, the. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the right wing, the right wing part rarely ever comes into play. Sure, yeah, in business. the actual grift. Business. Yeah, yeah, that's just how you get the numbers. You know, it's Alex Jones is the same. He's got all his stuff, and then he monetizes it not only through the actual show he has, but he sells people preparedness kits, like vitamins and supplements and stuff like that, because everything is impure and stuff like that. So he's just using like the the grift of of the stories he's telling telling people to sell his product. Like that's a deeper grift. Most of these mindset guys, they're just trying to be like su- success win, you know, I will help you win, like, you know, infomercial type people. And they have, like, programs uh, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So they have programs and whatnot. And so this guy has a lifestyle slash crypto thing called the School of Hidden Knowledge. <laughs> oh, my God. Is he a Freemason or something? What is that? No, <laughs> He's a Rosicrucian. But, <laughs> no, but that's the thing. It's like it does dabble in these sorts of uh, sort of right wing and conspiratorial thinking, and so it influences and informs his grift. But his grift is mostly just this nonsensical stuff about, uh, you know, it's about like targeted Facebook ads selling products on Amazon and stuff like that. It's a really stupid, common grift uh, that's been going on. But then doing a little research on him, I found this site called MoneyDoneRight.com, uh, and there's a a review of Ronnie Sandlin's School of Hidden Knowledge. Is Ronnie Sandlin's School of Hidden Knowledge legit or a scam? Read my full review here. And so this review is also a grift. I assume it's part of Ronnie's grift, but it could be like someone else, and they're working together uh, because he is part Ronnie here, 
is a victim. He is a part of this other guy's mindset grift that he bought. And that guy is like a more successful, but also controversial. Like he's also been charged, but for more fraud stuff. I don't think he has any sort of political leading. His name's like Joe Christ- Christiani or something. And uh, so he's got a couple people <laughs> that are like his students who have taken his course. And I guess part of his course is creating your own sort of marketing course thing. Uh, it's very much like your classic pyramid scheme, sort of multi-level marketing scheme. Only they're using the internet and these sorts of vehicles to do it. And it's just hilarious because it's just grift upon grift upon grift. And then they come together to like join yeah. in this other person's larger grift that is the Q movement and Trump. And it's like his, this whole his, oh, his massive network of people just... Oh. <laughs> His YouTube page literally says it's got like a banner on it that says, Ronnie Sandlin, I'm an entrepreneur. I think the Matrix is real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is from the review on uh, MoneyDoneRight.com. Who is Ronnie Sandlin? Uh, and there's a picture of him looking like it's from like a middle school yearbook. And it says Ronnie Sandlin is a badass marketer known for his drones Kindness to animals and ability to turn words into money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. Ronnie's Ronnie Sandlin. He's he's feces. He's feces. <laughs> Without a college education, That's he ad. became an entrepreneur <laughs> and a seven-figure earner. There's no way that's true. <laughs> But not only that, he has an amazing philosophy on life and uncanny insights into human nature, which serve him very well in marketing. They're uncannily like other people's. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, blessed are the grift makers, for for they shall inherit the scams. (laughs) But the thing is, is that don't you think that that's the perfect embodiment of a certain type of America, like Trump's America. I mean, Trump is just Trump's presidency was one entire giant grift, and this is these are his minions. I mean, they're just little grifters. Yeah, by comparison, that's it's what perfect. I'm saying. Yeah. It's all the that, same. That's what I'm saying. They but, they can come together under this larger grift because there's this tongue-in-cheek sort of nature to it, where they understand it's a grift, but they have to sell it as though it's not. Right. Yeah. yeah and you yeah. do that to the point that it just becomes second nature. You. You get to this phase where it's like, do you actually believe this grift? Or is it just part of the grift that you have to sell it as though you believe it to the point that you do? You know, and like clearly Trump falls under that same category because it's completely indistinguishable whether or not he actually believes he won the election. Right. Or, uh, you know, it's also materially, or, or, or it's also materially like not uh, of consequence because I mean, yeah, you know, whether he <laughs> believes it or not doesn't matter. You know, what's funny is that I just, um, well, it actually does matter because, uh, Chapo pointed it out. You can just easily make a legal defense if they wanted to try and, uh, you know, somehow make a criminal charge, like in this impeachment trial, uh, regarding uh, his incitement of violence, like he could potentially make the criminal case that he believes this stuff. So he wasn't actually trying to have an insurrection. He was yeah, just trying yeah. to 
no. you know, uh, stop uh, an injustice. You know, <laughs> I guess when it comes to whether or not he's going to get punished, it matters. But I meant like in its operation day to day for the past four years, it didn't really oh, matter yeah. because it's like the effect is the same. It isn't really yeah. about him anyway. It's about, you know. Um, th- what the Republicans are able to do and get away with while he's there distracting everybody with his clownishness. But, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to run an idea past you, a little, a little uh, hot take, because I just finished re-watching Mad Men. And when I got to the last episode, I realized just how much I love that show. Uh, number one, because it's uh, a very smart show that's really well-written, that isn't like flaunting how well written it is and how smart it is. It's not trying to be that smart. It's just like a normal dramatic television show series that's written by smart people. And the fun thing about it is that it's not trying to be smart. It's just fun. It never stops being fun. It never stops being ridiculous. I never even stopped to consider if it said anything, if there's like a moral to the story really until the very end. And I realized that as uh, he gets to that point where he goes on that retreat, the hippie retreat, Don Draper goes on a hippie retreat with Stephanie, the girl who is uh, his like fake ex-wife Anna's uh you know niece or something and yeah, they're yeah, both yeah. like at the end of uh they've both like followed this particular lifestyle that's brought them to be alone and unhappy and unstable and out of control in some ways right and Don throughout the whole every season of the show has always been dispensing advice to all of these people uh, these other characters, especially women like Peggy Olson and everything, trying to tell them, like, you know, you can get through this if only you'd be surprised how easy it is to forget your past and just push through and create a new persona for yourself and be who you want to be in the future, always moving towards the future. And and it occurred to me I'd never really considered, because I, I just think it's fun to watch, but I, I suddenly considered the fact that when Stephanie says to him, like, no, no, Dick, you're wrong, you know, and she's calling him by his real name, Dick Whitman and everything, it occurred, it occurred to me that, wow, this guy is really like America right now. Don Draper, we're living in Don Draper's America right now, because it's, it's like... Everyone that America wants to be the one that tells the rest of the world how it should be. And by pointing to itself and saying how great it's doing, you know, and really the whole entire show, the whole entire show is based on Don Draper starting from one small lie. I mean, it's not that small. He pretends to be a different person, but it's it's not that much of an effort. All he has to do when uh, the guy who uh, sorry, this is a spoiler. I'm not going to give you a spoiler alert. I'm spoiling the show. If you haven't seen it, you should. It doesn't really matter anyway. You know, when he swaps (laughs) dog tags with the guy with his lieutenant who's dead and pretends to be, you know, he takes the name Don Draper. You're like, that's the, the 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 Genesis story of the of the show and of of the character who's the main character. And that's like it's like America in a way. I mean, it's like the, it's just pretending to be this thing and it's gone so far pretending to be this thing. And Don Draper himself has just had to construct an entire life out of this one lie. And it's been very beneficial in some ways. But the entire show is basically just showing the tension of how can you deal? How can you cope? with all of the knock-on effects and all the consequences of this one singular lie that is foundational to who you are. I mean, very literally foundational to who you are. And every single problem that he faces throughout the entire show in seven series is him like trying to juggle the consequences of this one lie. And he ends up just coming to this outrageous, you know, big crash and... 
at the end of the day, what what uh, makes him feel better is just having this grand idea. It ends with him like having the idea for that famous uh, Coke commercial. You know, everybody goes, if I could buy the world a Coke, whatever. And it's like th- that's that's what everybody's going for is this one big idea. It's this one big shot at, at having like a. Uh, a sale, you know, making a sale. And that's, I just think, I, I just felt like it's not like a particularly profound insight, but it, it to me, it, it made it, um, it made it make sense. And it, it, it should like always be kept in your mind. I think that the people who are running the country and the whole way that the, the, that we speak about America as an entity, you know, as a nation and stuff, it is advertising. It's just like one big ad. It's a big commercial. And it's like every, there's there's these people who are pretending to be this thing. We all know it. And you get the sense very distinctly when you watch like uh, Trump speaking and back in the day when you'd watch Bush speaking, that sensation of being lied to and knowing it. Do you remember that? Like you'd just be sitting there kind of <laughs> going like I'm being lied to and I know it and they don't even care. And then you realize the reason that they don't care is because they're not speaking to you. You know what I mean? It's like uh, the people who are doing the lying, they're not particularly lying to you. They're lying to an audience. They have like a target audience that they're lying to. And they are speaking a very specific language that sounds precisely like the English that you speak. And it is English, but it's not the English that you speak. And it's like the words make sense to you, but the meaning is definitely like not there for you. It's not intended for you. They're talking to a specific group of people in the same room as you. The country is the room and we're all mixed in. So it feels like he's talking to us, but he's not. Bush isn't. uh, Trump isn't. You know. Um, you have this feeling under both administrations and um, where people respond to it by saying like, this guy's a liar. And they say these obvious dumb things that have like absolutely zero like content in their insight. They're just like, oh, he's lying. It's like, no shit, Sherlock. Of course he is. Same with Bush, you know? And people would say, oh, he's stupid. He's a bumbling idiot. He's a moron. He doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, the thing is, he knows what he's doing. They both did. And so does like Boris Johnson here. They know what they're doing. They know who their audience is. They're very smart like that. They know who their audiences are and they're speaking directly to them and they're not speaking to you. And even though you're in the same room, it's like they're speaking over your heads to these people. And that's something that I think is crazy. Managing this lie, this like very seminal, you know, seminal lie. Yeah, it's the manifest den- density. <laughs> manifest density. That's a good one. I like that. You can't even say it. It's an idea so complex. It twists the tongue. That's all we need. Uh, nonlinear warfare. <laughs> I have a friend, uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, Barack Obama. <laughs> I can't, I can't hold on to one impression. It always go, it always flows in and out. But should we, uh, should we wrap it up? Yeah, sure. All right. Do you have any uh, closing remarks, or? Hmm. I'll just say uh, thank you for listening. This is just a goodbye. We love you. We will be back in some form. So have a good life. 